Blog Talk Radio. Which direction we are going? Direct the El Camino. It would have been DWI. A tipping point. Good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and all the ships at sea. It's time once again for the tipping point. And boy, we got a couple of great guests for you tonight. Great in the sense that... uh, Drama is in the air, and it is brought to you by uh, my host, my co-host, the venerable, shit-stirring, always provocative Larry Goodman. No, no, no. This is going to be just friendly discussion tonight. We're not going to have any of this. Any shit stirring going on here. I'm putting it on you. That's all I've learned in my time in wrestling is just to put the heat Uh, off on somebody else. If only I had learned that ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that kind introduction, and sorry for making you shout, shout over the intro music. I had a little volume adjustment problem there on the uh, intro. So, um, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, turning up turning up my own personal volume has never been an issue. Um, but Larry, you, you, you've got to tell us who the two guests are on tonight. Some people might not be familiar with who they are, but the whole situation to me is really fascinating. So uh, coming up in the first half of the show, we have a return appearance by Daryl Morris, who is the co-owner with Woody Hollander of Georgia Premier Wrestling, who uh, has been uh, you know, running the Canton area and has a big show coming up in Rome, Georgia, featuring Arne Anderson in October. Uh, Second half of the show uh, is going to be the gentleman who wrestles under the name Sunny Days, uh, also real name Dylan Freimeyer. He is um, involved with DDP Yoga, and he is the booker of the new Southern Honor Wrestling promotion that is going to be starting up in Canton. And he has some involvement, and we'll clarify this uh, when he's on the air, with the Superstars of Wrestling show that is another big, big show that is coming to Rome in September with a massive number of legends and the Young Bucks as well. So that's the scenario. Wow. You know, it's it, things in wrestling really do ebb and flow. And I think one of the thing, things that ebbs and flows is there tends to be short moments of relative peace followed by conflict. Now I'm not saying these two groups are at each other's throat or anything like that, but I mean, they're both running Canton and they're both going to do shows in Rome. Uh, it's, it, it's such an interesting time because you've had a number of notables over the years in Georgia wrestling in particular, who have sort of clamored to, we can all kind of get along and we can all kind of do our thing and, that that always seems good in theory, but nearly impossible in practice. Larry, in your opinion, has it ever is 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 that the way it's always been in wrestling? Well, hell yeah. <laughs> usually more cut, usually a lot more cutthroat than it is now. From what from everything I've gleaned, um, but uh, you know, and I wanted to mention too, on a more minor scale, we have another. We we talked about the skirmish in in Barnesville that's that's gone on between WrestleMerica and Ron Gossett's uh, Universal uh, this yeah. week. Uh, uh, on a on a minor scale, uh, Grady Odom, who's an old time uh, promoter oh, yeah. of. Yeah, you're familiar with him with Georgia Championship Wrestling. He ended up with the Georgia Championship Wrestling trademark and corporate name. And he put a post out that he also has acquired the, um, I think he did some time ago, the Championship Wrestling uh, from Georgia 
trademark and corporate name, and that he plans to start running again. And, of course, on occasion, Chris Nelms has run shows under Championship Wrestling of Georgia over the last couple of years. So um, whether Mr. Odom actually starts running again or whether he actually tries to make any kind of stink out of Chris Nelms using that name remains to be seen. I saw where um, Grady Odom had posted something about that on Facebook, and Nelms sort of put a vague comment something along the lines of, well, it's interesting, or we're going to have to talk about that or whatever. Um, you, you know my thoughts on championship wrestling from Georgia and, and the like. Now, that's, that's been going back and forth forever and a day. Since right before Southern Fried actually got started, I remember there was some kind of muckety-muck conflict with Grady Odom and yeah. uh, other people. Um, I, again, it's one of those things where, I remember at one point, guys like Grady Odom and whatever, Jack Lord and stuff were sort of promising there was going to, you know, we have an office in Atlanta and blah, blah, blah. And I love making fun of that stuff, of course, because it's such wrestling nonsense. But it's important to remember that all these guys, that Georgia had a vibrant wrestling scene. And, and certainly a lot of the younger wrestlers who listen to our show know that in theory, but they, I don't think they understand quite the scope and the scale of the sort of circuit that Georgia championship, that Georgia wrestling ran. Um, in fact, one of the places where they would go was in and near Porterdale, which is why sure. it was very special for us to do shows there again. Um, and uh, again, I think history has been rewritten, unfortunately, like winners write history. And the WWE has done a really good job of sort of painting wrestling as it was this virtually non-existent thing in the, you know, the proverbial smoky bars and rooms. And, you know, it was this back alley thing that they took and they made into this great thing. It's it's a statistic that I love to bring up because I think it's nearly impossible for the modern wrestling fan to even fathom this, Larry. There was a time where at any given moment, one to two wrestlers made a full-time good living doing pro wrestling in the United States. Um, well. Compare that number to now – it's not even close. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, it's fair to say less than 200 people, less than 200 wrestlers make a living doing it now. Um, Nor and the that's probably a, that, the number of people that attended wrestling on a regular basis in cities all across the country. Yeah. Doesn't, you know, I mean, pales. I mean, I know I've talked about this a million times, and I'm going to say it again. The City Auditorium in Atlanta every Friday, every Friday night, I'm not saying once a month or twice a month, every Friday night, two to 3,000 people every Friday night. And then you had the circuit you mentioned around the horn Carrollton, Porterdale, Macon, Augusta, Columbus, and, you know, big crowds of people that went routinely on, you know, every week, every two weeks to these shows. It was just a different, whole different, it was part of the culture. I have to I have to point this out because uh, I, I listened to my first whoop cast right uh, Hankins and and a number of the wrestlers yeah. um, have this thing and it's it's a very entertaining show right but um, one thing that strikes me about that show that actually kind of rubs me the wrong way is because a lot of the wrestlers because they're they're like a hive mind right they're they're wrestlers of a certain age aka younger who don't really know what the fuck they're talking about half the time. Something that drives me absolutely crazy is when they talk about Memphis wrestling, because they have no comprehension. People, let me put it like this. Have you been to the Mid-South Coliseum? I have, right? Uh, when I got to wrestle in the Mid-South Coliseum, that was a point of personal pride. I considered that like, I've, I've checked something off of my bucket list of great importance. Right. When you're in that building, I, I don't know the exact count. It's eight to it's, it's around 10,000. Is it? not? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Larry, when when Memphis was cooking, like when they had a great angle and great run, they sold that bitch out every week. I don't think people can even comprehend the fact that they this quote unquote territory, regional promotion, whatever you want to call it, 
was filling up that building again and again and again for years, for decades. That's an accomplishment that in the modern era, could you imagine the WWE running any single building? I'll say once a month and filling the thing up. No way. Well, <laughs> no way. Could you imagine filling that building? And of course, Memphis didn't didn't always fill it, but they usually did pretty well. But can you imagine doing that based on a pretty much lo- a very loosely scripted, spontaneous promo Saturday morning show that you were dependent on to to put asses in seats the next Monday night based on that show, week in and week out. <laughs> You know what? You know what helps the fact that their TV show drew a minimum thirty rating. Now we can argue, yeah, but there were so few channels. Yes, but this, yes, but that. But on the flip side, you had to deliver numbers. You had to deliver the goods. You couldn't go through. Uh, if they'd gone through, let's just put it mildly, a creative dry spell as the WWE did for quite some time. Some would say that it's lasted years, right? Under the modern business model, you can get away with that. But back then it was sink or it was swim. I mean, you did not keep your job if you did not draw money in the, in the just simplest way to put it. um, It was a trial by fire every single day and no i'm i don't want wrestling to have to go back to doing it that way i it simply couldn't survive if it had to but at the same time i think it people owe it to themselves it behooves them to be a little bit humble um and realize the scale of what pro wrestling used to do not so you could just go oh it was so much better then but to at least be able to appreciate the fact i mean they were kind of running down Memphis and it was driving me a little nuts because Memphis is not my favorite promotion of all time. At the same time, Memphis weathered the storm a lot better than a lot of the other territories did when the WWF continued its onslaught and plucked talent from everywhere. Memphis really did an incredible thing, and I, I just can't say enough. And well, yeah, it and enough. Mean, now, you know? part of it was that guys were getting paid so little they could barely eat, but, but they did survive yes. longer than, than just about anybody else. That is certainly true. Uh, um, you know, we we have our first guest ready to come on, but I did want to mention, if we didn't yes, get around to it later, we did have two very good shows over the weekend, um, the Southern Fried Show uh, which I did write a report on, and the Action Wrestling Show, which Rob Brodicker wrote a p- report on, which hopefully we will be posting tonight. Um, both were very, very good shows this past weekend. Um, so kudos to both of those excellent. C- companies who both both companies continue on a big roll. And that Southern Fried, this new Southern Fried building, oh my God, that place is so loud. It is just unbelievable. That building is so loud. Um, my ears yeah. are still ringing from that place. Um, and at this point, we are going to be joined by Mr. Daryl Morris, the co-owner and promoter of Georgia Premier Wrestling, in a return appearance. Welcome back to the Tipping Point, Daryl. Uh, sorry. Wrong line there, Steve. <laughs> Hit the wrong line. Let's try. Sorry, Daryl. I hit the wrong line. Welcome back to the show. All right. Can you hear me now? Beautiful. Absolutely, Daryl. We can hear you. It's good to hear your voice. How are you doing, yeah, Daryl? Exactly. Doing great. Seems like we just did this a couple of months ago, announcing we were moving to this new building, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, guess what? We're moving again, guys. <laughs> So Daryl, can you can you can you catch us up and catch everybody up who's listening? Um, why are you moving to the new place and what's going on? <laughs> well, there's a lot going on. I can tell you that much right now. Uh, wow, this is a long story, but I'll try to make it as short as possible because I'm sure you guys got some questions there. Uh, you know, when we were in Buffington, Jim, the old Buffington, Jim. Uh, we knew summer was coming up and it was going to get hot and 
Gary Lamb had talked to us one time about doing a show down there. And, and he'd actually about a, you know, a few months earlier than that, probably a year before that, had talked to, to Woody about him starting his own show up. So, and Woody had talked to him about it and stuff, and he decided he didn't. So we went and talked to him about moving into the new building, and he uh, he was like, oh, yeah, come on. You know, he really wanted it to happen. So uh, we talked to him and asked him a few questions and told him that, you know, we're going to be a family-friendly show. And, you know, he talked about, you know, at one time he wanted to do it, but he was just so busy with his barbecue and brews and stuff that that wasn't even on his radar anymore. He didn't want to do it. So we said, yeah, you know, we want to go in. He named his price, and we paid him exactly what he asked us to, to come in and, and do shows. So we did that, and we went in, and, of course, we've been there for about three months now, and now he's decided that uh, he wants to do his own show. So uh, basically, Woody and I found out about it as he was hinting at stuff on, on air, uh, or excuse me, on Facebook, and uh the week before a show and then we had a show and he brought in uh dylan and watched our show and seen what our show was about showed in the building and stuff and so we just basically asked him about it and he said yes he was going to start running a show uh you know in a couple of months october i think uh was going to be the first one and but he wanted us to stay and he was going to run on friday and then we uh, of the first weekend and we could run second and fourth and you know, he's like, you know, we can do it that way. And I was, you know, Woody and I talked, and we both came to agreement that that's just, you know, it just didn't just didn't work that way for us. You know, uh, he threw out a comment on Facebook that, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's move across from each other and do, you know, they, they love competition and stuff. But and then I put out there on my own Facebook that, you know, they do that, but they don't. They don't sell out of the same store, you know. It was just hard for me to not think hard feelings could happen if uh, we were both in the building, especially since he he held the master keys to the building. You know, that's his building, and we're just in there as as guests. And you know, I just uh, and wrestling's a strange a strange uh, business to me from what I was used to all my life, and. You know, there's a lot of cut through goes on. Not saying there would have been, but I just, me and Woody just decided we're just going to go back to Buffington and let him run there. And hey, we'll let competition be competition and let him run his show. His show's going to be a little bit, uh, what I'd say, he said his was going to be more of a PG 13 to put in the exact words he said. And, you know, our show is more family friendly. And we have some shows that you know have some little bit rougher content in them every now and then but i think his is going to be just a little rougher than what ours was as i would say you're talking about memphis wrestling we'd like to try to have chaos like that but i think it's going to be a little different from him well that's um okay well that i mean that's very clear about all that i appreciate you you know you know sort of clarifying what uh what went down there, but the other thing I wanted to ask you about is the Iron Anderson show um, coming up in October, and the uh, you know the Superstar show coming in in September. That's two huge shows in in Rome in a short period of time. Your thoughts, yeah. please. Well, that was another situation. I, I tell you, I, I think evidently uh, something just uh, decided to. Uh, come in and, and give Georgia Premier something to look at uh, this year like no other time. Uh, basically what happened was, and, and I'm, like I say this may be a little bit long, but I'm going to tell what happened as far as I know, and uh, then we'll let, you, you know, I'm sure Dylan will tell you what he knows about it, which I don't even know Dylan. I've never met Dylan but one time. It was one time at the show. But uh, we... I got a call from Tony Hunter, which is uh, books out Iron Anderson, and it was the day after Paul Lee's show, and he called me and said, hey, Iron wanted to do a homecoming show, and, and him and Iron was in the same car riding about South Carolina. He said, I was wondering if you would get a building and up there or a place that will hold about 1,000 people, and let's do a homecoming show. I thought, yeah, that sounds great. And uh, he said, that, you know, Iron's going to do it. Don't worry about, uh, you know, any PO for him or anything like that. Just go ahead and set it up. 
and he just wants you to get the building and run it where we'll have a good show and everything. So I did that and got the building, and I, I got to thinking, well, uh, Superstars Wrestling ran up there a couple of years ago, and then there was another room show that ran, and I didn't – I didn't want to go up there without saying something to them and actually asking them if they wanted to be a part of it. So Gary Lamb, uh, excuse me, not Gary Lamb, but uh, Sean Holcomb is actually the person that ran Superstars of Wrestling. So I called him, and he was all up for it. And he's like, yeah, that's great. You know, maybe we could even run it with along with Superstars. I said, well, that's sort of what I had in mind. I said, we'll put Superstars on the poster also and just, you know, uh, have superstars, you know, do the show with us, and it sort of gets superstars going again. So then I called Bill or Phil Quarles, and he was doing a show up there, and he hadn't done one in about eight months. But I thought, well, you know, I want to call him. I just I want to do the right stuff, and I uh, I text him and told him what was going on, and we text back and forth. And he's, you know, I told him, you know, you can come and. Uh, you know, talk about your show because he'd, he'd text back to me and said, well, I'm planning on running some shows in October. And I said, well, you know, we text back and forth and you can promote your show and all that. Uh, and then like two or three days later, I got up a call back from Tony. And I said, I'm going to tell you as much of the truth as I know the truth. Everybody says, well, that's not, this, you know, this is the truth, that's the truth. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I know is the truth. So Tony okay. called me and said, Tony calls and says, hey, Iron just called and said that Phil called and he's upset because you're doing the show and he's not doing the show and he runs in that town and he should be the one to do it. And I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, I, I told him, I said, well, I let Phil know that we were doing the show and asked him to be a part of it and stuff like that. I said he was a little bit standoffish in his text, but I did let him know because I felt like that was the right thing to do. I said, so what does Iron think? Does he still want to do the show? And he goes, oh, yeah, he's going to do the show. So then, so after that, Sean, like, I don't understand why Phil's upset back and forth, and I have text messages that show all this. We're still going to do it. And then about a week after that, Sean sends back and tells me, hey, I'm selling Superstar Dress, and I'm not going to be part of it. Uh, I don't want to be part of it. Don't put me on the sign, blah, blah, blah. So then, and then it comes out that Superstars of Wrestling is going to do a show up there on September the 22nd. So, you know, you can put two and two together and see what happened there. So uh, Phil's part of it, and I know Sean's doing part of it, and uh, Air Paris is doing the booking. And and actually when uh, Dylan was at that show that night, I asked him if he was going to be part, if he was doing the booking also, and he said no, he was just part of the show. So that that's where we're at. I actually did speak with Phil the other day. He sort of contacted back and forth on the situation that had came up because there was going to be a certain person on that talked about being on his show that's on our show, and I didn't have a problem with it because, you know, it's a free world that you can work where you want to. I don't have a contract on anybody. So come to find out, he actually had, and this was not anything I knew about until about a month later, but come to find out. He actually had talked to Iron, uh, Arn Anderson that night up at Paul E's show and talked to him about doing homecoming, but I didn't know anything about it. So I was innocent in that, and I think Phil knows that now. But I think that was a lot of the hard feelings was because Phil yeah. thought he was going to do it, do it, and I wound up doing it. So I think we've sort of figured out that it wasn't me, and I don't know that he's got as much heat on me as he did, but that's basically how all this has came down. Mm. Uh, Daryl, uh, I have a yeah. I have sort of a general question. <laughs> um, you're a decent, okay. you're a decent man. Woody is sort of a renowned decent fellow as well. Based on everything that's gone on in the last two months and dealing with all of this muckety muck, I'll, I'll just put the question bluntly: <laughs> How hard is it? to be a decent human being in a thing like pro wrestling that is filled with not just, not just guys that are sort of without, without, let's just say they, they just sort of run free. They don't really respect. They don't, they don't handle things in a very direct or clear or respectful manner. Sometimes I think it's just ignorance as well, or it's just, I, I 
how do you maintain such a kind of calm demeanor when you're dealing with, pardon my French, so much bullshit and, and so many guys that are quick to sort of blame, quick to get upset about things. I mean, you know, the, the old joke in wrestling is, especially in like WCW in the last two years, so many angles that they did could have been solved if somebody just, you know, <laughs> it's like, why is Sting mad at this guy? Can't he just look at the video from the show and know that like, you know, so much of that went on in wrestling where it was just terrible booking, but like, this is real life. These are people who are getting mad where simply communicating with you could have solved these problems or, you know, if people just sort of were respectful enough to sort of address each other, how do you handle dealing with things? It's got to drive you crazy. Or are you really as calm as you seem about all this? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, what, I guess I look at it this way. It's, uh, mm-hmm. And I may get bashed for this. This is more of a, of a, of a hobby to me. I, I love it. Yeah, but it's not my, my. It's not what feeds my family. You know what I'm saying? I, I think a lot of this could have been uh, like the superstar thing. If Phil would have just texted back and said, "Hey, I spoke to Iron, Iron about that already. Uh, why are you guys screwing me over or, or whatever?" I might would have looked at things a little different because I try to be a fair guy. I try to be a fair guy in life. Uh, but yeah, I shake my head daily on some stuff that goes on. It's it's crazy. And how do I keep calm? I just I just try to tell myself to take the high road, you know. I mean, it's crazy. I, I just <laughs> Matt Hankins when he uh, when I was in it, he says I'd like to talk to you in a year and see what you think about wrestling. I haven't changed my mind about wrestling. You were talking about uh, Memphis wrestling. I, I love Memphis wrestling and I love uh, storylines around that and stuff. And and it's just it's just so much fun to you know to watch the people. But you know, if it's if it gets so bad that people really want to get that crazy, I, I just be honest, I walk away from it. Uh, it's, I love it. I, I love to get these guys out there and and bring out their best attributes when they're in the ring. Uh, you know, write the stories around what they do best. And and I did give up actually booking and writing stories. Now Logan does a lot of that for us. Now we talk back and forth and uh, do change and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, it's crazy. It's so cutthroat out there, and it, you know, I, I don't know a lot of people that's making a living off of uh, pro wrestling out there, uh, except for the main three. So why people get so crazy over something like that, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I do get mad. I'm not gonna lie about it. I got super mad when uh, when I found out that we were gonna have to move from the building. But I was like, you know what? Things happen for a reason. We did great at Buffton. We'll still do great at Buffton's. We'll tell stories. Yeah. We'll bring in great wrestlers. We're going to do what we do, you know? I'll I'll be mad for you guys a little bit here because there's one part of this story that I think sort of gets lost in the shuffle. Canton didn't draw shit. Then Woody went in there, Woody went in there, and built that town slowly, and it took time. And it got to the point where it went from dozens to hundreds. Um, So this isn't the case where somebody's just like, this is our town. This is blah, 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 blah. You guys took a town that was doing nothing, literally nothing, and made and rekindled a wrestling audience that it was burnt out. And I don't know. That's a lot of work. And I think the fact that people need to acknowledge that. And, you know, often – promoters and bookers are sort of not for having these huge egos. Well, you got to have the huge ego because if you don't toot your own horn, honestly, there's so few people that do it for you. And it's not just for the ego stroke. It's for just acknowledging the work that was done. And, uh, you know, so I wanted to have you guys on. I'm glad Larry got you because it should be acknowledged that you guys put in the work and you're, you're handling yourselves like gentlemen where I can, I mean, could you imagine if it was me? I, I just, and you know, you're um, to be, you're to be commended for that, you know? Um, so yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and that's one reason I'm leaving. I'm not going to lie. Uh, that's one reason I'm leaving the building. I mean, we, we started out in Canton. The first show we ran there, 34 people. 34 freaking people. That was it, buddy. Yes. And, and then we started growing. And then we went to that building. We we, we draw, you know, Larry, you've been there. You see what we draw. Uh, it's yeah. not, we're not throwing numbers out there when we put numbers out there. I give numbers of what is paid at the gate and how I keep up with that is we use armbands. So, you know, that's how I know. I'm not going well, to stay uh, in a building where I'm, I'm drawing 175 to 300 people and it's and and in this, I hope that this, you know it may make somebody mad, but then give those guys that audience. I'll take that and go there. Them the audience that we have may go there, and that that's good for him, you know. But I'm yeah. going to a different building where my audience knows where I'm at, and they know what night that I draw run, and I don't want them to get confused and get upset with us because they bring their family to a show and it's not PG anymore. And it's just like the Sunday show that we're that uh, that uh, QT company's doing over there. Everybody thinks that's our show. It's not our show. We're taking reservations and everything else for that show and get them over to QT. But you know, people think that's our show with uh, Brandy and Cody, and it's not. And it, and it'll happen that way with Southern Honor also. And I just I'm just not willing to do that. I'm not willing to share what Woody and I have blood, sweat, and tears, work their behinds off to do, and and our audience be there and see what and think that's our show. Yes, sir. Well, Daryl, thank, thanks for coming on. And before we let you go, please plug your return to uh, the uh, the old stomping grounds there. Yeah, I would like to talk about that and a little bit about our show uh, with Arn Anderson also, some people that's going to be there. Uh we're going to return, of course, August the 25th will be our last show, and then the 26th we will, of course, our ring will be there and everything. I'll help uh, QT with that show. And then we'll go to, on September the 8th, we're going to go back to the old Buffington Gym. Uh, October the 13th is when we'll be up in Rome. Uh, you know, we're not trying to be superstar wrestling. This was just actually a show for, uh, a homecoming show for Iron Anderson. So we're not trying to bring in 40 stars. Uh, we, we've got Iron Anderson coming, J.J. Dillon, and Magnum T.A. These are all guys that are coming with Iron to the show. We didn't bring them in. We've got Bob Armstrong, Teddy Long, Glacier, and Ricky Reyes. And then the local stars like Sugar Duncan, Sugar Duncan, uh, Chip Day, the good old boys. Even Paul Lee will be there. Uh, I know you got to chuckle out of that one. But, uh, so we're going to have a lot of, of local talent from all around. Uh, on that day, we'll, we have a seminar that's going to be from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock on that same day. Also, still got about six spots left on that. So we got a lot going on, and we're going to keep doing what we do, guys. Great. Thank well, you for lot, being Darryl. on, Daryl. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, appreciate thank you guys for having me on. Uh, thank you for letting me tell you know what's going on and like to say, you know, I hope I tried to tell it as straight as I could, and uh, people may disagree, but that's the truth, as Daryl Mars knows it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Take care. Nice. Well, we shall that be, truth uh, isn't the truth, though, right? That's what Rudy Giuliani told me, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a Sorry, name I never a thought I'd hear on this show, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> Though when you think about it, does anybody's name sound more like an old school wrestler's name than Rudy Giuliani? Oh my gosh! You know, Ru- Rudy Giuliani sounds like a guy who would have played uh, an American Indian in the fifties and sixties and early seventies, and then some kind of uh, mafia hitman character. In the 70s and early 80s. (laughs) Well, uh, I'm going to bite my tongue hard about anything Mm -hmm. about Rudy Giuliani. And let's move on and take the high road, as Daryl Morris did. Take that high road and uh, have on our second guest. He wrestles with Sunny Days. He promotes shows or will be for, or excuse me, book shows or will be for Southern Honor Wrestling, is Dylan Freimeyer. He's also involved with DDP uh, Yoga, which we'll be talking about during this interview. Welcome to the show, 
Dylan Freimeyer or Sunny Days, however you wish to be known. <laughs> hey guys, how are you guys doing? Good. Great. How are you doing? How would you like to be addressed right off the jump? Oh, you can just call me Dylan. That's cool. Oh, great, Dylan. Dylan, I'm um, I'm Stephen Platinum. I don't think we've ever met uh, formally. I Larry um, sent me. Um, he's forwarded me a video that you were in, sort of describing your life, your how you got involved in wrestling. Uh, just a it's a really nice piece about. So, just to just to, to start off here. So, do I have the story correct? You were heavy. You lost a hundred freaking pounds in high school, but then a bunch of things happened that were really negative. And so you put on 160 pounds. So now you're well over 300 pounds. Um, you had originally used DDP yoga, but now you were living in the, um, you were living in the house with DDP the second time around and again, sort of got your life together and lost weight and really found focus. Is that an accurate sort of sum up of that part of your story? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was 16, I lost, yeah, like you said, a hundred pounds after meeting Dallas, you know, I was just a fan at that point going to autograph signings and stuff. And that's kind of how I met him. And, he was just doing like the YRG. It wasn't even DDP yoga at the time. And it, it all came together and uh, I lost a hundred pounds. And then, like you said, life happens. Um, I was offered a job here five years ago. Um, kind of, kind of was on that journey with uh, Jake and Scott in the resurrection of Jake, the snake. I was a video editor for that. And, um, but I was also like Jake's accountability partner. Um, I would go on the road with them um, try to keep him from drinking and all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> but um, it was definitely a journey. Um, it, was a, it was a blessed journey. Um, you know, I still have my w- own weight problems and have trouble with diet or whatever. Um, but that's that's life, and uh, it's a battle I'll probably have my whole life. So, you know, it, I take one take life one day at a time. That's for sure. Yes. Larry, please. Well, since you mentioned Jake, I got to ask, can you tell us, what can you tell us about being the accountability partner for Jake the Snake Roberts? <laughs> Man. Well, I mean, if you, if you look at, if you uh, have seen the resurrection of Jake the Snake, uh, it's available on Amazon and stuff. It wasn't an easy road at all. Um, you know, Jake had 40 years of addiction and he said in his Hall of Fame speech, you know, think about what he could have done if he was sober in the wrestling business, just because of how good he was when he wasn't. And um, when it came down to what Dallas was doing with him, and then, you know, when I came in, he would have a good days and bad days. And the bad days were really bad. And um, they were, those were rough to get through. Um, but at the end of the day, like this has been three, four years later, he's the best I've ever seen him. You know, uh, there was points where I would lose hope. Like you're never going to, you know, this guy's never going to, to conquer this or, or get to a good place. And um, he's proved me wrong right now. He's doing great. Uh, he does his own comedy shows. Um, and he lives in Las Vegas right now, but yeah. So it was, it was definitely a journey um, for sure. It wasn't easy, but uh, I'm blessed to be part of it, you know, because that's one of those Jake and Scott were two of those guys that people would never think are still alive, you know. So it's cool to see them and actually oh, yeah. call them my friends. Uh, Dylan, I um, I actually owe you a bit of an apology, and you don't even know that. <laughs> so <laughs> I got I have to admit something. Um, <clears throat> so you know, Larry said, "Here's here's our two guests." Um, I was familiar enough with Daryl. I, I was familiar enough with Daryl, but not with you. So I, I watched right. that video, and I got to say, my first impression was, oh, no, like this this bumpkin dumb shit. Like, <laughs> that was my first right. I was like, oh, no, another bumpkin dumb shit in wrestling. Who's a booker <laughs> who doesn't really seem to have his own vision and just another guy who's going to, 
you know, do some variation of what he's seen on TV. But it was actually your mother um, and what she said that started to turn me around. And then I got to say, listening to you now has turned me around even further. So here, here's what your mother said that really struck me. Uh, is she was talking about how you didn't play, you know, like when you had like wrestling figures and whatnot, you didn't play with them like most people play with them. You played with them with the eye of like a storyteller. Like, and I have to admit that really struck a chord with me because that, that was me too. Like I would sit right. there with a, you know, pad and a pencil and rewrite wrestling shows and I watched but I always had my eye on being a storyteller or, you know, this right. guy against this guy and how do we get to this and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's an element that I think is too far often missing. Even with guys who we say are pretty good bookers, I don't really think they have a booking instinct. I just think they, they like the fun part, quote unquote, which is, being the little puppet master, but they don't understand right. the sort of deeper side. I got to say, talking to you here, one, you're not a fucking dumb shit. Okay. <laughs> so I owe you an apology for that. <laughs> I'm wrong. I'm flat out wrong. But, but two, uh, what is, what's your booking influence? Like where, where do you, cause you know, if somebody said to me right now, Steve, like, who are your three booking influences? Bang, bang, bang. I can knock them out. We don't want to talk about that right now. What are your booking influences or what are things in wrestling or even storytelling in general that really struck you, influenced you, or made, like stirred your imagination? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a couple different kinds of wrestling fans. Uh, there's wrestling fans that just watch. Um, there's obsessed wrestling fans. And then there's obsessed wrestling fans that use professional wrestling as an escape from this world. Um, my parents would fight. Um, my dad had a terrible temper. Um, you know, the police would show up to our place sometimes and wrestling was always my escape from all of that. And Mm. the way, the way the, that they told stories back then compared to now even, but that attitude era, it was so captivating that for two hours every Monday, and actually three because I was flipping back and forth to WCW, but you just get to escape the world. And um, that's how I kind of always looked at it. And the stories back then, I mean, anyone that actually paid attention, um, I mean, they were just so just captivating. You know, I was a huge Shawn Michaels fan growing up, uh, as a lot of people are, but it was guys like Mick Foley and the, the day Mick Foley won the championship, um, you know, and that pop and but the story behind it. And uh, those are the things that always got to me um, because Mick Foley I can relate to as a normal guy, not in best shape. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that I look at. When I come to booking, you know, just like I said, I grew up in that attitude there. So the way, um, the way they told stories back then, the real life stuff, um, more so than the the uh, soap operas of today, that real life stuff was so yeah real back then. You know what I mean? That's why the Attitude Era was so captivating. Yes. So, so you so now like said, you lo- go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No. So yeah, you now so launch just... into Southern Honor Wrestling, and um, you did have. Correct me if I'm wrong. You did have some past experience booking with superstars. Is is that right? I know you're not this time around. Right, right. So I used to run my own shows in Pennsylvania, as you saw in that video, and we used to do pretty good um, because it was a small town and and there was not much to do there. And so it was uh, very rewarding to bring something to my hometown. Um, But now coming here, uh, I was part of the first couple superstars, but then I knew Sean was coming into the third one and uh, needed some help. And I really wanted to take charge because I feel like, they drew a lot of people the first two shows, but they had 40 indie guys and each match was a tag match. And I just wanted to, um, put on a good show and you have the long fan fest before the show. I wanted a solid two and a half hour wrestling show 
following the Fan Fest, and uh, I thought that's what we put on. Um, you know, we had great matches like Carlito versus Chip Day, um, uh, Stevie Richards versus Tommy Dreamer, Davy Richards versus Jimmy Rave. I just knew if I can book a match that I know I would enjoy watching, then someone else is going to enjoy watching that match. And um, the talent that is on the Indies right now is amazing. So, um, and the Indies is booming right now uh, for the most part. Um, you know what I mean? So what are your um, hopes for Southern Honor? Yes. Um, well, so when Gary approached me about Southern Honor about a year ago, um, we didn't really have – it was just an idea. And, you know, life happens. Gary uh, ended up getting too busy for that, and and uh, so did I. And um, it just never came came together. And uh, a few months ago, they got back to hold of me, um, and I was interested. It's just, you know, uh, something I've been itching to do shows here, but I've always been afraid of running my own shows because there's so much to do in Atlanta. Um, you know, the area I would want to do is my, you know, Smyrna, and there's just the baseball stadiums right down the road. There's just a lot going on. So to do it for somebody else, uh, I got approached. Um, honestly, when I took the uh, – you know, the job to book for them. I didn't even know there was another, you know, I wasn't familiar with, you know, what was going on in Canton right at the, at the moment. So, um, but he told me yeah. and, but he, he uh, explained, I don't want them to leave. Um, and I was like, you know, you know, I wouldn't want to step on anyone's toes either. So, you know, he offered them to stay and, you know, Daryl's story is accurate. Um, you know, but we are going to be a family, you know, we're not going to be a non-family friendly show. I'm a, you know, when I was running my own shows, there's, there's money is in, in uh, family entertainment, but what we're going to do that's different from other companies in Georgia and where we want to stand out and what that building gives us the opportunity to do is production. And I'm a video editor for my shoot job. Um, I love production. I love directing um, professional wrestling has made me a better editor because that's where I learned how to tell my stories. And mm. um, so having the opportunity to do all that production plus book the talent that I think uh, is the best in Georgia and surrounding areas um, and the matches that we're going to see. And again, with the music videos, build up stories, like we have someone coming in, in November, we're going to have a hype video for them in on, in October. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we just have a lot of opportunities with that building uh, that I couldn't say no. And if it wasn't going to be me, it was going to be someone else. Um, so I just thought it was a great opportunity for me to take. Um, what can you, what can you tell us about your talent roster that you've assembled so far that you're, you're that you're able to reveal at this point? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of these guys are getting booked all over because they deserve to be booked all over. Uh, guys like AC Mack, um, Ashton Starr, um, the Jungle Kings, the Lynch, the Lynch Mob. Uh, there's a couple of young kids that uh, I know of that have been getting around a little bit, but I don't think they've been seen uh, as much as they should be. Uh, a kid named Jordan Kingsley, uh, trained oh, yeah. by Robert Gibson. Um, he's he's phenomenal. And, uh, I trained with Robert Gibson after moving here to Georgia and seeing Jordan grow up and the things that he does. I just, I love Jordan and, um, Kevin, uh, Kevin Ryan, young kid, just turned 18 years old. Uh, I think he has a lot of potential as well. Funny story about him is, um, Robert called me up because my opponent backed out from one of his shows so I called up Kevin because I always have a good match with Kevin Ryan. And I was like, hey, Robert Gibson wants you to be on the show. Come work me. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I have prom that night. So he's a young kid. He's a young kid that has a big heart. And a How bad do you want it, kid? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That's what I said to him. That's exactly what I said to him. I said, I'll remember this. So... 
Chances of scoring less than thirty percent at the prom. <laughs> Chances of the payday yeah, for Robert Gibson one hundred percent. Yeah, let me call Paul Famer Robert Gibson and say you got prom. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but I love that kid and uh, I just love what we're doing. Um, again, the I just want to be different in this area in Georgia. Uh, I want to bring my sense of production with my booking. Um, and just give it everything I got. And again, it was never to step on anyone's toes. Um, we were even running Friday nights to be different and to not compete. Uh, I mean, there's competition, but it wasn't to compete. You know, we wanted to feed off the hype and how good wrestling is doing right now. And it was Gary's building. Um, like I said, if it wasn't going to be me, it was going to be somebody else, you know, and, um, the opportunity with the production of inside, uh, the production involved, it just made sense for me. Um, frequency of shows, how often are you going to run? Uh, right now we're going to run, you know, run once. Well, uh, yeah. What's that? I was gonna. I was just gonna ask. Make sure you know where. Where can we see the shows? Like all the things that are coming up, these promotional videos. How can people see those? All of that, please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, right. You know, we, all the social media: Southern Honor on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. Southern Southern Honor Wrestling, SouthernHonorWrestling.com uh, to get tickets uh, for the rest of the year, starting October fifth. Um, we're gonna run the first Friday of the month and see how we do and you know we respect there was another company in the air so you know we know their fans are going to be loyal to them and hopefully you know we draw a different different wrestling crowd and maybe some of theirs who knows wrestling's alive right now and you know talking to the investors you know and people that are watching what we're doing um wrestling's alive and, and they believe in what we're going to do uh, we're going to run in the action building in Canton, Georgia, and, um, you know, we're just excited to see what happens. Uh, we're going to, yeah, like I said, we're going to run once a month. You know, the other guys are doing their thing. We respect that and um, see how we build in the first couple shows. Uh, I know we're bringing in a lot of talent, um, you know, in the next couple shows too. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, um uh, Dylan, one thing I forgot to ask before we let you go: the um, could you clarify about Booker T coming in, and uh, you know that he's going to be superstars, but he's also be, he's also advertised as Southern Honor Wrestling. Could you clarify that? Right, right. So, um, I just want to clarify the, the superstars of honor or the uh, yeah superstars of honor the superstars of wrestling show in Rome. Um, it is a lot like the second part of Dale's. I was actually. Uh, on that Wrestle Jam show, Paul Lee show, when Phil was talking to Arn Anderson. I don't know how the rest of it happened. I know Phil introduced me as the booker because I was booking Rome, uh, Rome for a while for Phil. Um, and Phil proposed the idea of the, the homecoming show right in front of me. So I can confirm that on uh, Phil's part. Um because I was standing right there, but doesn't matter. And uh, when I saw they got the Young Bucks for superstars, and their second big name was uh, Jeff Jarrett, I thought it was an opportunity for me to make money. And to be honest, I thought it was a great opportunity to bring in a bigger name. That the Young Bucks have their their core fans, but I also felt like. Booker T hits a whole different core of fans that will draw and um, will help me out. So we're going to use Superstars of Wrestling as a, a um, you know, to help us advertise for the upcoming Southern Honor shows. Uh, we put the Southern Honor banner on Booker T because I didn't have a company or nothing to, that he was going to um, represent. So it just made sense to use this opportunity to let the wrestling fans know about our product. So cool. Well, you know, I would love for you to come on again after you guys do your big shows 
just to sort of get your perspective on everything, if that's cool with you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was listening to, uh, you, you know, what you were talking about with Daryl and, and the respect thing. Again, what what we're doing had nothing to yeah. do with their product, um, the quality of their product. They were doing what they're doing, and um, we just wanted to bring the whole production thing involved. And like I said, it was just an opportunity for us, um, for Gary, that wanted to do something his whole life. He's a promoter. He's been promoting bands and things forever, and he's been pretty successful at it. So for him to uh, bring me on, I'm looking forward to see what we do. Uh, I wish the other guys the best of luck, too. Um, and Southern Honor Wrestling is going to bring the best young talent around and um, just keep trying to get better and try to do something different from Georgia. So, Great. Well, thanks thanks a lot. We really appreciate you coming on and, and explaining yeah, no, what's what's good. going down. That's, that's great. Awesome, guys. Thank you guys so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Well... Definitely interesting. Um, I hate to bring up a cliche, but, you know, it's so tough because there's always two sides of it where, yeah, I mean, if not for Woody and Daryl and that crew, there really wouldn't be a place, (laughs) there wouldn't be a foundation on which they're to run. Now, I would normally ask you at this point to make a prediction, Larry, about how do you think Southern Honor is going to do. I, I, it's, it's really hard to say, right? Like, it, it could be a runaway success. Certainly, we've seen shows with sort of similar sort of philosophies, similar sort of money being spent on big-name talent. I mean, it's it's kind of lost in antiquity at this point, but there's a time where Cedartown, those shows were incredibly successful for a run. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it fell on its face because there was no long-term vision beyond bring in this name, bring in a female name. You know, Paris kind of booked that show, but it it just lost its luster rather quickly. I'll be interested to see how both promotions that we talked to representatives of tonight end up doing. I mean, what is well, your gut, Larry? On so my, my, my take is this, of course, the Georgia premier fans are going to follow Georgia premier Buffington. I'm sure some of them will sample the new product at, um, that uh, Southern Honor is putting on. But the other thing is, is that the owner of this company, Gary Lamb, has big-time experience putting on big-time events. So I believe with him being behind this as the owner and promoter, they're going to get eyes on the product. Now, will those people come back is going to be the question. But I think with his abilities in that area, they're going to get people to look at this product. I think you're right. I can't wait to see what happens. Um, where are you going to be this weekend, Larry? I am going to be in Chicago uh, hey. visiting family. If, But I do see there's a freelance show at Logan Square Auditorium, which is like three miles from my mom's house. So if I can on nice. Friday night, I'm going to go over there. And I joke with Sugar Dunkerton, who's, of course, killing it over there in Great Britain, I finally get to go to a freelance show, and he's not on it. But who the hell's on it? Drew freaking Adler is on this freelance show, <laughs> along with the Gymnasty Boys, and Anthony Henry's on it, and, and uh, Drake. So anyway, uh, yeah, hopefully that's, for wrestling-wise, that's, that's where I may be if I can work it out. Nice. Yeah, you just 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 ask your mom real nice, Larry. Just, <laughs> yeah, please, mom. <laughs> mom, can I go to the raffle show? Can I go to the raffle well, show? That, <laughs> well, that is awesome. Well, you know, you and I will be back in two weeks, if not before. Uh, I definitely want to talk about. Did you see the announcement that the uh, sacred ground, September fifteenth, is being called the final chapter? Oh, we've got to talk about that. Yeah. So we will definitely talk about that. And 
hopefully line up a couple of choice guests. But, that would um, be very – it seems like that's a must if this is the final chapter. Mm-hmm. Well, Larry, thanks once again. Great guest, and uh, thank you to both of our guests, Daryl and Dylan, for being on and explaining all the hullabaloo going on. That's a that's a kind of an area of wrestling that often we don't touch on, so it's nice to sort of get that voice out there. So great job, and we will see you in a couple of weeks for the next episode of, of The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.